Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Let's talk about some of the tapings that are going to happen after SummerSlam. Yeah, how about me and can I just bring up, how about me and Bret Hart this weekend, right? I mean, I, I took a picture. And I just I was thinking to myself, we used to call each other everything in the world for thirty years, and now we're like best friends. And that's the way it should be. Well, the business could make it. The rip the business makes us all a dick sometimes, one time or another. You know what I mean? We just get. It's now with social media, it makes it makes it even worse. You know what I mean? I I, I just you regret you just look back and regret things you said or even thought about because it makes the note at the end of the day. What what did you gain by it? What a moment of satisfaction! I mean, it just ridiculous. But I, I had a great time with Brett this weekend and uh, Ryan Fitterman and that autograph signing was great. Some Phenomenal people. Byron Scott, Iceman was there. I mean, just, I, I had a great time. And of course, my first time with the Queen. So, great weekend there. I didn't mean to change the subject. I just had to bring up Brett because of he and Bulldog. I told Brett when I saw him back at the hotel that night, I said, if I could know, if I could, if I knew you could work that good, brother, I would have been knocking on your door a long time ago. They had a hell of a match. Yeah, they did. Yeah, I just didn't. I had never seen Brett work a couple of times. I mean, if I did, I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, he 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 was a phenomenal performer. Uh, did you meet Brett at the uh, the Fitterman signing this past weekend in Texas? Yeah. Was he there as well? Is that the deal? Oh okay. yeah, I took a picture. I put up. Uh, uh, I yeah, saw. I, did, I just didn't know if it was also at Fitterman's thing. Yeah, yeah, he was there absolutely, and he going. He went home that night. Of course, I stayed, and much to my dismay, went out again. Oh, as I surprise! Had the night before. Just gotta learn how to go to bed, Conrad. I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen. <laughs> Last night I had to stay up and watch Serena. <laughs> the company had been around big guys, right? You know, the thing, I, I never. I, the thing that I regret, I never got a chance. I, got, I did wrestle Brett a lot. I, did, I never got to wrestle DiBiase while I was there, who you know is you know gonna go down in history as one of the best of all time. So there were clearly other guys for me to be to work with. But we could have had a great match, but great matches don't always sell tickets. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. But I, I certainly enjoyed my time there. And then, of course, yeah. the return worked out to be oh, uh, just another, <laughs> another ride to who knows where. Now, our weekly segment, and the foe is going to be Bret Hart, who, who you had... Uh, uh, some matches within WCW, and certainly you two were often compared during the course of your primes. Now, you've been mostly complimentary of Brett, but but sometimes critical. Looking back, what are his pros and cons as a performer? He's a master technician 
but um, I, you know, I just, I, I, I just, like I say, it's a, he's a great worker. I did, I didn't think that um, he is charismatic in his appearance. And look on that. I didn't think his interview was that charismatic, but it, was, it had nothing to do with his in-ring work. He was a great worker. He was critical of me saying I was repetitious. And I said, I would say to him, you know, what she's very outspoken about. And I'd say, well, when you wrestle someone for an hour every night for 10 years, you're going to have to repeat something. And I, that finish of his was four moves. If that's not repetitious, I don't know what it is. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Now, let me see if I have this right, okay? Inverted atomic drop. Yep. Backbreaker. Yep. Russian leg sweep. Yep. Elbow drop from the second rope. Yep. Sharpshooter. Yep. Now, that's off the top of my head. So don't get me wrong. I think Brett was a fabulous worker, but if we're talking repetitive, well, pot, meat, kettle. And you know what? Every time he did it to me, it worked. He won. No question. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I remember. Yeah. I, I, I wish I could tell you that I've ever beaten Brett Hart. I can't. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a fan of Brett, uh, and I think his, his work yeah, in the look, ring. Go, go back to that picture right there. Go back there. Look at that punch he's throwing. But Brett, Brett's got the whole package. Oh, no question. No question. Yeah. And like I said, I'm a big fan. Uh, you, you mentioned his charisma level in promos. I, I actually give him probably a bit more credit because I thought his interviews were very earnest. I yeah. thought they came across no, I, very I, I, serious. I, 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 that I agree with. I said that weren't as charismatic. That's a different word, but it's serious. It's serious. Well, the were, reason why his promos were like that, Rick, and I don't know if this is good or bad, but, you know, I don't think any wrestler has ever taken himself more seriously than Bret Hart did. Oh, And, no and I don't know if that's it. good or bad, but that's the truth. Am I right? I would say so, yeah. Well, we all took ourselves serious, but I played a clip this week where I went, <laughs> the way I started, I said, so are you the guy that says he is the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be? Because I used to, I could crack Bret up cutting a promo on him because I could just... You know, I, I we had really good chemistry when we were talking, right? I, I tweeted it out this week that one from whatever twenty or thirty years ago, where you're the best there is, pal. <laughs> and one time I said to him, "Well, you were in a dungeon in Calgary. I was wrestling Brody in Singapore, and the natives were restless <laughs> <laughs> for an hour." So well. Uh Again, getting back to Brett's work, he was really smooth. I thought the best part oh, of his repertoire yeah. were his transitions from, from offense to defense, defense yeah. to offense, from move to move. Yeah. I thought he could work with any size and caliber yeah. of opponent. He was very much like you in that he could make inferior opponents look very good. Yeah, no, agreed. Yeah, but see the difference? The only thing that philosophy-wise is like, and I'm used to using one person as an example because he more than anybody else, but I've done it with Sting, I've done it with Homer. I, I, I don't, I never saw myself suplex an Undertaker where that, where Brett just had to suplex him. That makes sense? Yeah, Brett had to quote unquote do the impossible, even if maybe in context, it, it didn't make sense. It didn't because if the Undertaker is in character, he's going to take a suplex and sit right back up, right? Right. Boom. So if I gave the Undertaker a ball shot, which I used to say to him, sell this. He goes down, right? right or we like I when Iron gave him the spine buster, right? <laughs> to, in uh, uh, Toronto. And then when he sits up, I mean, it's the reaction from hell. It's a damn, you've got to be in the ring with him to feel that. 
because every time you think you have the guy, right? It just, it just, it's insane. The guy was so damn good and what a hell of a worker. I, I, saw, when, no, I saw no reason to ever suplex him. <laughs> well, I remember when the Road Warriors first came on the scene and they would take like somebody's finish and pop right back up. Yeah. And it got yeah. a huge pop, but it killed yeah. the move forever. Yeah, but well, Joel would listen to Reason. Uh, uh, not so much Mike. <laughs> no. Mike, Mike was Mike was hard to convince of something different. <laughs> now Brett beat you for the WWE title in 1992 on a dark match at a TV taping in Canada. Why yeah. was it a dark match? And and it kind of came out of nowhere too, didn't it? I I don't think okay. many people were expecting a title change. Well, what happened was the night before, wrestling with Barkley in the front row, the ultimate warrior dropped me on my head on a vertical suplex. And I lost that. I got that inner ear thing. So when I when I went to the floor, I rolled up and I went to get up and I fell down. I went to get up again and fell down. And I thought I was having like a stroke or something. And what it was that I had broken a little chip off in my ear canal in a way that that's like oil, the little chip was going back and forth. And so it it lasted for six months. I mean, I went to the Mayo Clinic, Duke, everywhere with my dad, plus my dad being a physician, and um, that it just didn't heal. So I, I, I called Vince and he said, get to Calgary. And the reason the match was so bad, because I, I had no, no equilibrium. The match sucked because I, I but not, I've never had a chance to tell the story, I guess, publicly, but I had no equilibrium because I went home for six months after that. And it was a short match too, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I couldn't, in other words, if Brett slammed me, right, or I gave me a backdrop, right, I had to lay there for a minute. I couldn't just get up and feed. Does that make sense? Yeah, you had to collect yourself. Kind of had, had to collect, to collect, collect my, Yeah, I, well, not collect myself, but I couldn't get up. I'd fall Your balance, over. your balance had to be yeah. reestablished. Yeah, yeah, and I and I I had that for six months, and then one wow. day I woke up and it was gone. I banged my head against the wall five times because I was going to get a Lloyd's of London check, tax free, seven hundred fifty grand, and I called my dad. I said, "Dad, it's gone." So I said, "I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm going to get my check." He said, "That's karma. Don't do it." And I and I didn't get it. I went back to work. <laughs> Seven hundred and fifty grand tax free. Well, your wives would have got it anyway. Oh wow, that's right. You at know, least you half. Did. At least half. Your dad was right on the money. He knew. He knew what was ahead. Now, um, you, you, you know what? You said something earlier that kind of struck a chord. I think you're right. I don't think you ever beat Brett. I know I didn't beat. Who did I beat? <laughs> Well, you you beat a few and but oh, I, well, who did I beat? Well, you beat you beat Sting a couple times with the help of five horsemen. Well, <laughs> they don't say how names; they, they say I, how I, many. I, I I never beat Dusty. Oh yeah, you did. Now he tripped over Gene Kaniski, <laughs> or that was Harley who that tripped was over Harley Gene. Tripped over Gene, <laughs> yeah. 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 No, he tripped over Pat O'Connor, uh, uh, not Pat O'Connor, uh, Luthez. No, it was Kaniski. No, Luthez for for Luke me and the... Dusty. Me and Dusty. Oh, and that's right. That's right. That's yeah, right. He, he tripped over Luthez. So I never well, got I never got a clean win. It was always with an assist. <laughs> well, well, but I don't think you ever beat Brett literally, which begs the question: 
How often did you work with Brett? Did you guys ever do like a loop in, in WWE? I know you worked with him a few hey, times in WCW. Here's the deal. Oh, the loop in WWE? Oh, yeah. Brett and I did a couple hours. Yeah, he. Yeah, I, wrestled, I love wrestling Brett. He was, it was a night off. No, here's the story. So Brett comes, and I see an opportunity. So I go to Eric. I said, Eric, I want to put Bret Hart over. He said, really? He said, you think I'll be good? I said, well, I don't know. You tell me. Well, and yeah, was, that was Brett's first match ever in WCW. I know, in, in Dayton, Ohio. We stole it. And you know what? I, we walked out of the building, and Randy Savage was screaming, God damn it. You went too long, man. What the hell's wrong with you? I said, fuck you, Randy. We just fucking stole the show. Go out and follow that. <laughs> that was That's the way the business was back then. And I'm, I'm not, when I got a guy like Bret Hart that can work and, and is taking care of me and give me superplexes and all that, well, I'm not going to listen to anything Randy Savage says to me. <laughs> well, do you think Bret made a mistake going to people, people don't People don't like it when you're better than they are. That's just all there is to it. Well, right. When you're the best ever, nobody likes you. I know yeah, that. Yeah. It just, it, but I mean, I, that's, that, that was the deal. It was like, you know, it finally came time for me to beat Randy in, in Dayton, same place, Dayton, Ohio. Randy, his dad's there. It's Father's Day. And the next, and I walked back in and uh, Bishop said, uh, I was on the booking committee. He said, uh, you're, you're, you're not here anymore. You're done. Say it again. Because they, I held Randy to his word. I said, I'm going to do this, put you over here, put you over there. When we, and it, and we get to Dayton, Ohio, you're going to put me over. And he this wouldn't is, do it. No, he did put me over, but he, they, they fired me the next day. They fired me that night. I walked really? in and Eric, instead of Eric going, hey, great match. He said, you're fired from the booking committee. Wow. I never heard that story. Well, I got a lot of them. That's why we're on the podcast. What else do you want to know? What else do you want to know? Well, well, uh, did Brett make a mistake going to WCW? Even though he got more money. Do you because- you, I want to you. Do you realize that in Daytona, Florida, I had already beaten Leon by myself for the world championship, right? In Dayton and Daytona, Florida, they booked me and Arn against Leon. He beat us both. In a handicap match. Handicap match. Wow. Yeah. He beat us both after I'd already beat him in a single match. That's how, that's how little, why do you, why do you think Arn and I cracked and drank every night? That's what Bischoff did to me and Arn. Well, I think drinking every night you can be its own reward. No, but do you not, you don't remember that match? I, I do, but I mean, it kind of all runs together after a while. It's, it's so long ago. Yeah, Vader beat me and Arn. Well, if it made you drink, I can't complain because I was probably drinking with you. No, but I meant, how, how ridiculous is that? We did it. We did. We just did. It. We were just cannon fodder. Well, get, getting getting back to Brett, did Brett make a mistake going to WCW even though he made more money? Uh, well, I, I, for me, I well, I, I open my arms to Brett because I thought I made our company better, but you know, I don't know what happened, but it's not a political thing. And I don't know. I don't know enough about it. You know, that's one thing I'm going to try to clarify to you. If I know for sure what I'm talking about, I will. I just know that he made more money, but you know, as excited as someone like me was to see him come there, there were other people that weren't, even though 
to him, they said, oh, come on. You know what I mean? So you, I'll let no, you. No, I'll no, let, no question. I just, I just. I'll, I'll, let, sure you, I'll, ever, let, you, I'll let you read between the lines. Well, I'm not sure he was ever used properly, Nate. He came in, he was a referee first, and I guess that had something to do with his no compete. And then, see, I would have brought him in with the replica of the WWE belt and had him be the real world champion because he never lost the Montreal thing. I would have done the same thing WWF did with you. Yeah, I don't know. Like I say, I was glad to see him there, and I only got to wrestle him that one. I wrestled him twice, so once on TV and once in Dayton, Ohio. But to answer your question, in 92, I wrestled Brett all around the country. It was great. Do you I love working Mon with him. Do you believe Montreal like was really a screw job, or do you think Brett was in on it? No, I think it was a screw job. I, 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 know, I, know, I, know, I know the whole story, yeah. But well, I, we've been told I had, the whole story. You don't think there's any possibility Brett was in on it? Absolutely not. Okay. No, let me tell you something. That, no, that, if, if something that if you're part of, you don't let torment you. Okay? I wasn't part of this giving the man thing away. It torments me. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, no, no, that, I get what you mean because well, Brett has so, carried it around like a disease ever forever, since. Forever, forever. It, it, you know, it, I mean, it created so much ill blood, blood. I mean, there's so much to it that I could talk about, but I'm not going to go there. But you, that isn't something you're in on that torments you. You know, forget the, forget the, the money. Like using myself as an example, forget the money. I worked my ass off, and I owned a trademark to be the man. The next day, I know I'm, I'm going on again. They stopped selling that shirt to be the man and just started selling the man. It's unethical. It's actually illegal by my contract. Think about it. Well, again, victory is yours, Nate, and, uh, and that's in the rearview mirror now. Yeah. But, but that, it, it's good it got resolved the way no, it but did. I'm, I'm following up with Randy. I, I'm sure that, I'm, I'm sorry, Brett, I'm sure he wasn't part of it because it, it wouldn't have tormented him for so many years. No, that's actually a very valid point. Now, you, you, you touched on this earlier, but you believe Brett is in the top five of all time, top 10 of all time, top 20 top, of all time. Where do you top, think he fits in? Top 10. Top 10? Yeah. You know, there are some who think he's the best ever, period. And, and you know, I don't think he's far from that. But, like, the guys in FTR, they swear by Brett. But I think I think sometimes it's a matter of who you grew up watching and who influenced yeah. the way you worked if you're in the yeah. business. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I can't argue that Brett's not the best of all time. I can't tell you why why someone would say I was either. I, I once again, I think that I, I just no pun intended. I brought a lot of flair. I mean, how, I mean, how many guys have got trademark sayings from to be the man, limousine riding, jet flying, style and profiling, diamonds are forever. They're all trademark. They're all mine. What other wrestler has those? Oh, nobody. But, but Nate, well, I'll give but, an example. But, but, but that's, that's why I'm relevant today. No not question. It, not because of anything I did. So, well, I'm relevant today because of all that shit I thought of and said time and time again back in the 80s. Well, I'll give you an example of the argument for Brett is, is the best ever or one of, okay? Because mm -hmm. yeah. I think you can make the argument that Brett is top 10, top 5, maybe even best ever like, yeah. like Dax and Cash think he is. One thing I loved was in WWE when Brett was a heel in America yeah. and a babyface in Canada. Yeah. No, see, I have never no, seen babyface receptions like Brett got in Canada. Yeah, let me touch, let me just touch on something. 
if that hadn't been done in Montreal, it might not have hurt him as bad. But he, oh, took, no question. He, he took that Canada stuff very serious. No, he thought he was a Canadian national hero, and, and maybe yeah. he was at some level. Well, to me, was he? I mean, uh, to me, you, 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 you could say Bret Hart in Canada. You could say at Wayne Gretzky. I know you don't want to hear that, but Bret meant that much to wrestling in Canada as much as Wayne Gretzky did in hockey. I, I don't think that's inaccurate at all within the context of wrestling. Uh, absolutely not. He was that famous. It wasn't the Carpentier. It wasn't the Rougeaus. It wasn't uh, Mad Dog Rashawn. I mean, it was Bret Hart. And I've said that before publicly. I mean, if he don't know why I wouldn't uh, appreciate a comment like that. Now, uh, one thing I, we have to go back a, a few uh, episodes ago, we talked about brother birth is brother feuds and, and why they don't work in the exceptions. And we totally forgot about Brett versus Owen, which we got a lot of feedback on Twitter. How can you forget that? I don't know. I don't know how we forgot that. That might be the greatest, most believable Brother versus brother feud ever. I, I didn't see any of it. Isn't that sad? I did not see any of it. What you were in WCW at the time, correct? Yep. Well, yep. take, take my word for it. There, yeah. there were very few guys, the quality in the ring and out of Owen. Yeah. You know, I've only met Owen. I met Owen in passing one time. So I just, you know, I was devastated when I heard that news. Boy, that was. I'm, I'm the bit. same. I met Owen when I was with WCW. I met Owen in passing yeah. at an airport. Yeah, well, he certainly he was very highly thought of and loved by his uh, yep. by the people that knew him. So it's just a terrible, terrible situation. And I'm, I'm, you know, like someone can bring up my son to this day. It's been what thirteen? It's been seven? It's been nine years, right? But I'm sure every time his name is, is comes his name Owen's name comes out of. Uh, Salmon's mouth, and that it Brett just he probably falls apart, like I do sometimes. No question. Owen was a, a very memorable yeah. uh, performer and person. He was critical of me, saying I was repetitious. And I said, I would say to him, you know, what she's very outspoken about. And I'd say, well, when you wrestle someone for an hour every night for 10 years, you're going to have to repeat something. And I, that finish of his was four moves. If that's not repetitious, I don't know what it is. Well, wait, wait, wait. No, let me see if I have this right, okay? Inverted atomic drop. Yep. Backbreaker. Yep. Russian leg sweep. Yep. Elbow drop from the second rope. Yep. Sharpshooter. Yep. Now, that's off the top of my head. So, don't get uh, me wrong. I think Brett was a fabulous worker, but if we're talking repetitive, well, pot, meat, kettle. And you know what? Every time he did it to me, it worked. He won. No question. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I remember. Yeah. I, I, I wish I could tell you that I've ever beaten Bret Hart. I can't. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a fan of Bret, uh, and I think his, his work yeah, in the look, ring. Go, go back to that picture right there. Go back there. Look at that punch he's throwing. But Bret, Bret's got the whole package. Oh, no question. No question. Yeah. And like I said, I'm a big fan. Uh, you, you mentioned his charisma level in promos. I, I actually give him probably a bit more credit because I thought his interviews were very earnest. I yeah. thought they came across no, I, very I, serious. I, 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 that I agree with. I said they weren't as charismatic. That's a different word, but it's serious. It's serious. Well, the the reason were... why his promos were like that, Rick, and I don't know if this is good or bad, but you know, I don't think any wrestler has ever taken himself more seriously than Bret Hart did. Oh, and, no and I don't know if that's good or bad, but that's the truth. Am I right? I would say so. Yeah. Well, we all took ourselves serious, but 
I played a clip this week where I went, <laughs> the way I started, I said, so are you the guy that says he is the best there is, the best there was, the best there will be? Because I used to, I could crack bread up cutting a promo on him because I could just, you know, I, I we had really good chemistry when we were talking, right? I, I tweeted it out this week, that one from whatever, 20 or 30 years ago, where you're the best there is, pal. <laughs> and one time I said to him, well, you were in a dungeon in Calgary. I was wrestling Brody in Singapore, and the natives were restless <laughs> for an hour. So, Well, uh, again, Singpath wants to know, who's a better worker, Brett or Sting? Better worker, Brett or Sting? Um, I'll go like this. More technically, technically better is Brett. Charismatic, charismatically um uh, sting yeah i think that's fair yeah you can't take anything away from brett's great technical skills and he was a real mad a real mad technician but i think sting in the 80s with the blonde hair and that thing was really one of the more one of the most certainly one of the top three most charismatic people i've been around or four i mean he 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 was devil and he just uh yeah on top of that he's a great guy and how about me and Bret Hart being best friends, huh? Who would have thought? That amazing. All those years of that bullshit. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, every time I see him now, it's just like, how you doing, man? Him coming to my match. He even finally came over to Kid Rocks and had a beer. <laughs> that was a lot. <laughs> There's a party in Nashville and you're invited. Nashville's first of its kind live event is coming to the Woolworth theater. And believe me, you haven't seen anything like this before. Shiners is the hottest new show in Nashville that blends Cirque Broadway and comedy into one electrifying production located in downtown Nashville at the brand new Woolworth theater. Shiners has a star studded cast featuring Chuck Wicks and Laura Osnes, along with the most mind blowing talent from the Cirque world. You can catch a live Shiners performance at Woolworth Theater on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights. General admission and VIP tickets are on sale now at ShinersNashville.com or bring your whole crew and watch the show from your very own VIP box. Enjoy some delicious signature cocktails and ice cold beer while you watch the show. You won't want to miss this if you live in or near Nashville, or maybe you're headed there soon for some fun. Get your tickets today for Shiners at shinersnashville.com. Hi, this is Ric Flair, 16 times your world champion, hosting my show, Woo Nation, along with my good friend and co-host, Conrad Thompson, and our guest today, Conrad, the legendary Bret Hart. Bret, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Thank you so much. The best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. And that's the last thing I saw said to you as I saw you in San Jose, and I I exited the room, and you had a line a mile long, longer than mine <laughs> this time, which really pissed me off. <laughs> well, it, it was a, in San Jose. The whole experience was a good experience. Yeah, I had a lot of fun there. It was great. Saw so you and your lovely wife. I met your son, who I still can't believe six four two forty is not in the business. Good for him. Yeah, yeah. Good for him. <laughs> Jeez. I shake my head, too. No, but I'm saying that this business right now, my daughter is up to her, her eyes in it, as you know, right? But 
I mean, it's it's difficult out there right now. It's not like the kids are having a lot of fun like you and I had when we started. So, but yeah, anyway. it's a whole different thing now. Oh, totally different. Jeez. So, well, anyway, <clears throat> so the, my my fondest stories about Brett when he was young is <clears throat> his dad, Stu Hart, had a legendary promotion in the Calgary, Canada. And, Stampede, uh, right? The Calgary Stampede, right. Uh, well, that was the theme of one of their shows. Was the name of their promotion the Calgary Stampede? Yeah, it was Re- called Stampede Wrestling. That's Stampede fine. Wrestling, okay. And so the legendary, as I broke into business with Vern Gagne, everybody talked about probably the two you know, most famous people, training people to get in the business were Stu Hart, Stu with his dungeon, right? You know, which Brett probably hates the memories of, and Vern with his barn out in Minnesota in <laughs> very comparable weather, thirty below zero. So um, when I first won the NWA title, I went into Reno and I met Stu for the first time. And Brett, you were there with your brothers, right? The first time I met you was in uh, Las Las Vegas. Oh, Las okay. Yeah, one of the I, last, I should uh, read them. At the NWA convention, right? Before the big war. Yeah, the NWA one. I know Vern came through town. Yes, exactly. I remember okay. all the NWA guys running around saying that Vern Gagne was in the lobby or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know what that was. I know what he was there for. He slapped Bill Watts. <laughs> wow. Did you ever hear that story? No. Yeah, Bill Watts was trying to steal the Oklahoma Territory from from Leroy McGurk and Vern. And, I mean, Vern took it as steal, and Vern flew out to Vegas, and he smacked Bill Watts. Wow. But that was Vern. I mean, Vern was like very much like your dad. He wasn't shy, right? Yeah, he was very, uh very direct kind of guy. Yeah. So, anyway, um, I can't do it with the voice, but <laughs> he goes, <laughs> <laughs> Brett's dad, it's, it, it's funny over the years, people like Shawn Michaels and that, they probably didn't know him nearly as well as I did. But he goes, eh, eh. So you're uh, Ric Flair, eh? I, I, I hear you're a, a, a pretty fair hand. Are you? <laughs> How do you answer that question? I think, I hope so. <laughs> How'd that sound, Brett? Was I close? That sounds uh, very close and sounds like a, uh, one of those kind of questions that my dad would ask. Oh, yeah. I hear you're a pretty fair hand. Are you? Oh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the world champion. <laughs> I don't know what that means in Calgary, but down here. <laughs> so anyway, but his dad commanded like, the kind of respect that, um, I mean, that like, you know, he was the Vince McMahon, Vern Gagne, um, Fritz von Erich, I mean, that kind of respect. I mean, he was that highly thought of and, uh, in the NWA. And uh, um, not to take anything out of context, but one of the angles that I hated the most in your career, Brett, was the one you shot with Jerry Lawler when he was messing around with your mom and dad. <laughs> that got heat with me, and I'm one of the boys. <laughs> Do you remember I that? Remember, I can remember Owen actually coming to me and saying that he thought that uh, – <laughs> That Lawler was going a little too strong. Oh man, I'm watching that. I'm just getting pissed off, and it wasn't even my mom and dad. Because um, you, you were at the, was, that's when they were doing Raw at the old uh, the little building downtown Manhattan so. Center. Uh, yeah, yes, yeah. sir. So, um, but you I, know the thing about that was, you know, when I remember coming home to actually talk to my mom and dad and see if it did kind of rile them up, and they loved it. They were laughing their heads off and uh, watching it back on the on the replay later what? that day on TV. And my, my mom was just. Just loved it. I, I think just the whole 
humor of it, I think she got a kick out of all the stuff Lawler said about my dad. You know, he put his false teeth in backwards and all that. All those yeah. jokes that Lawler had. He well, was pretty funny, and I think somehow my mom got the humor. I remember looking at Olin and going, we don't need to say anything to Jerry about it. Like, probably we were going to tell him to tone it down. But, you know, we got, once we got home and saw how much they liked it, we, you know, we never had a problem with it. Yeah, I know. It's funny because as you get older, and trust me, I, I know that feeling. You'll, we'll do just about anything to be part of the show. <laughs> Especially me. They can beat me up, throw me around, roll me in a ball. I don't care. <laughs> just give me some time on Raw. <laughs> so I can sit next to Brett and sign autographs next weekend. <laughs> oh, man. Well, um, Conrad's got a whole pile of stuff for you. And you've met Conrad twice with me at the last two WrestleManias. He's a huge fan and he probably knows more about the business than Meltzer. <laughs> well, wow, that's that's that. a pretty bold state. That's a big pair of shoes to fill. I do want to ask, though, Brett, back when you were first starting with Stampede, how hard was it to be the promoter's son? I mean, that had to be just a totally different dynamic from, you know, being in the locker room with the boys and the eyes of the fans, you know, just being who your dad was. How difficult was that for you? Well, you know, I think, um, you know, I, I think it could have been difficult for me, but, uh, I think right from the, the the time that I got in working for my dad, I think I was I was sort of sorely needed as one of his better workers, even when I first started. And I think um, I always thought the way the wrestlers treated me, they always had a lot of respect for for my work rate and uh, you know my uh, sort of whole approach to the business. You know, back in those days, if I was driving the van or if I was um, picking up the money for the towns or whatever it was, I know that. Most, I think all the rest just thought I was pretty reliable and pretty, um, you know, always reasonable and never asked anyone to do anything I wouldn't do myself kind of thing. And, uh, you know, so I had, I kind of had a nice respect going into the business and, uh, you know, I refereed for a little while and I think I started to learn the business, but I always uh, felt that it was kind of a mixed, mixed bag of nuts, the whole thing of being a promoter's kid. In some ways it had lots of uh, benefits and you, you were treated, um, a little better or that you were at least uh, connected or you were important. So, you know, any promoters kid usually got treated with respect. But on the other hand, you also had to earn it. And, you know, a lot of promoters kids did earn it. And I always heard Greg Gagne was a hard worker and a decent worker and stuff like that. And I know that certain promoters kids were decent workers. And then there was other promoters kids that uh, kind of dropped the ball and, uh, and kind of made all promoters kids look bad. And, uh, you know, I don't need to say who they were, but there was just different promoters that you had respect for and ones that, as far as the kids went, you didn't. We're listening to uh, Bret Hart. You can check out Bret Hart online at bretheart.com or on Twitter at Bret Hart is where you can find him. Uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask you today, Brett, was regarding the match that was finally released just a couple of years ago on DVD between yourself and Tiger Mask. It seemed like that one was one that longtime fans had wanted to see forever and ever, and finally the WWE put it out there. And I guess this is a question for, for you too, Rick. How difficult was it calling a match when the language barrier, where you speak English, he speaks Japanese, and somehow you guys are supposed to put on a hell of a match? How difficult was that, and what were your philosophies in, in pulling that off? Well, for me, most of the Japanese guys I ever worked with, they're almost taught in Japan all the English names for everything. So, you know, they can't speak English, but they can call a match. Like they can, they know what a drop kick is and they know what a, 
they know all the words for all the moves. So, you know, the language barrier wasn't such a problem. It wasn't just in, you know, maybe, you know, most of the time when you had a, if there was a screw up or a mistake, you certainly couldn't communicate very well because I didn't speak any English other than wrestling moves. Yeah, I, I'd agree. You know, they just were tough kids. I mean, um, I'm, I'm sure Brett will agree with you. They, <clears throat> we train hard here. We did. I mean, Brett and I, you know, started at a time when it was tough to get in this business, and we started for promotions that were hard on you. And I heard Stu stretched everybody, as did Vern and Billy Robinson and the guys that I broke in with. But those Japanese kids are tougher than hell. I mean, they were back then, right, Brett? And uh, they're always super. Super fit. Yeah, super, super and well conditioned. And well-schooled in wrestling. Like they all knew how to shoot a double-eight takedown and basic wrestling. They were all pretty skilled. Yeah, and, and, and they're not afraid of anything. So And, and, and they, they know the way to get over <clears throat> is to beat a recognized uh, or to have a good match or whatever the word would be uh, with a recognized American star. So... Um, I, I like going to Japan, but I didn't like working with some of the guys. I had, I mean, I couldn't do anything with Jumbo Saruta. And Tenru was great. I loved him, and I loved uh, Choshu and uh, some of those guys. Um, but, and of course, I love wrestling with Muda and Fujinami, who I inducted this year. But some of the guys, man, I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't handle. And they didn't think I was tough enough, so they didn't care. But that's why they sent Harley over a couple of times as my bodyguard to make sure <laughs> to make sure they didn't swap the title. <laughs> well, speak, speaking of swapping titles, Brett, you won your first world title from our host, of course, Ric Flair, and it was actually taped for a Coliseum home video release uh, filmed in October of '92. When did you guys know about this, and kind of when was the plan, and how did you guys find out? Well, um, for me, it was all. Um, it was, it was all one day. I didn't find anything out until the morning of the show that earlier that day, I got told to fly to Saskatoon and meet Vince McMahon that, uh, he was eight in the morning. Yeah. And, uh, I was, I had changed my airplane ticket flying from, from England, which was a, a big no, no or something at the time. So I thought I was getting, going to get trouble. I thought I was in trouble. Chief Jay, who told me the night before, uh, that they had changed my flight and I was on the first flight in the morning to Saskatoon and Vince wanted to see me straight at the building straight away and first thing in the morning. I had no idea. I really should have known or could have known, but I, I'd even heard something a few weeks before about they were looking to put the belt on somebody and I never thought about it that morning. I remember kind of flying there kind of scared that I was going to get fined or something like that. Uh, it was quite strange to actually sit outside and I sat at the end of a long hallway and uh, when I got there they said Vince is in there with Rick and so I went and sat there was only one chair and I remember it was way way far at the other end of the hall and uh, I sat down and waited for Rick to come out and Rick came out shook Vince's hand and uh, they had a good sort of goodbye or whatever and he let, walked down the hall but he went the other way and so I never did see Rick he he went up the the other way out, and then Vince looked down the hall and called me down. And like I said, I thought, uh, and the way Vince told me was, he sort of made out like, uh, you know, how long I've been there, and they how many belts have they put on me already, and they had done everything they could do with me, and, uh, and then he just was just about to, my mind to tell me that I was it was time to let me go. I remember actually sitting there thinking that Vince was gonna 
fire me that day for some reason. And that my dad was supposed to be flying in to uh, be my, in my corner that night. And I was going, I don't know how I'm going to explain to him that uh, there's no, you know, I was kind of just concerned about the whole thing. And then Vince, I remember, just just looked at me and said, so we're going to put the big belt on you tonight. And I never said a word to him. And I remember he, he looked at me and said, you should really smile or clap or something. Or I've never seen anyone with no expression. <laughs> I remember I just, and I said, I'm just not sure whether I even believe it. Yet, you know, because like, they said some of the things to me over the over the years that never, ever happened, you know. It was like, I still think if they'd said to me, um, you know, if they'd announced to the dressing room in, in June that they were going to put the belt on me and at the same time, um, they would have changed their mind by the time they got to that day if they'd had more time to think about it. But it was so quick and so sudden, you know. Um, I, I always... Uh, you know, remember being my favorite day in the business. Was that, your, was that your, would you call that your favorite day in the business? Yeah, I think that was the, the, the biggest uh, stunned shock. Uh, you know, I couldn't believe it. I didn't believe it till it happened. Yeah. Well, for me, I actually had the belt in my hand and, and was, <laughs> was the champion. It was like, I couldn't believe it was going to happen. Was happening. It was all too surreal for me. Yeah, well, what what happened? I Brett knows this now. Is I was wrestling the Ultimate Warrior on Friday night, and Charles Barkley had come to see me in Phoenix, and the Warrior suplexed me and dropped me on my head, and I got that I had that inner ear problem, and I already was told that they were going to make Brett the champion, but it was like at a different time, right? But I had that inner ear problem, and I couldn't work the next day, and then they called me and said, uh, "You're going to." To drop it to bread on Monday night, and I said, "Well, I can hardly stand up because I could take I could take a bump, but I couldn't get up fast." I see because my equilibrium. I, in other words, if I went down flat, when I got up for about eight, maybe ten seconds, I, I was dizzy. Right. So, as a matter of fact, I thought it was something wrong with me. Like I was gonna, like I had some kind of a neurological problem, but it was an inner ear problem. So, I got there, and uh, you know, I was. I'd already heard that I was going to drop it to Brett, but I wish it had been for me. I told Brett this 10 times. I wish it had been when I could work better because I, I just couldn't get up. He could give me his moves, but I couldn't get up and feed fast enough. So sure. Whatever the occasion called for. But um, anyway, when it got better, <clears throat> as a result of me, not, it did get better. The day I was supposed to get my Lloyds of London money, Brett, you don't know this. After three months, the day I was supposed to get my Lloyds of London money, I woke up and it was fixed. I went over. I went over and hit my head against the wall three times, and said, "What in the hell? I'm flying to Minneapolis to get the money to go, you know, the five hundred grand or whatever it is, seven fifty, right? And everybody else got all this money over, you know, half the guys faked the injuries, right? And I'm going to get my money. And, and I woke up. I hit my head against the wall three times. I was in Louisville, Kentucky. I said, "I can't believe this. I'm fine." I called my dad. I said, Dad, I'm going to say I'm so dizzy. He said, no, you're not. It's karma. I said, yeah, I'm still right. I am. I'm dizzy. I want that damn money. I was paying $35,000 a year premium for that stuff, you know, so that's that's my memory of it. But I remember, I thought we had some really good matches afterwards, but that, the night I gave it to him, it was no. So you were disappointed in the match that night, though? Oh, I, I, I couldn't pull off my end. You know, Brett was probably so excited he didn't notice it, but I, I couldn't pull off my end, you know what I mean? Right. So I couldn't do my upside down. <laughs> I thought we had a lot of fun afterwards, but I, I certainly could have given you a better match that night. But, you know, it didn't matter. 
You know, if, if, at that at some point in your life, if you're having fun with the guy you're working with, you'd rather do that than anything. I mean, and finally, I mean, this guy, you know, Brett, technician, in great shape, cares about the business. I mean, you know, it 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 was it was fun for me. So I have fond memories of it, and I certainly don't regret the night. That's for sure. I uh, you know I always had especially fond memories of just prior to winning the belt. We had such uh, good matches in uh, Germany. I remember. We stole a show every night in Germany. Left them just just going crazy. When we were walking out back to the dressing room, the place was just going crazy. And, yeah, uh, no, and we stole. I remember all those days. Every show I ever worked in Germany was sold out. But those ones just before I won the title were really special nights. Wait, 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 that was you and me, right? Yeah, everywhere we yeah. worked. I think every other night I worked with Papa Shango. Yeah, who was. But I had really good matches with like two different kind of style matches. And really, the fans would go to all different shows. And, yeah, it worked out really well for me. I had really good matches with you, and I just remember you always got me over really strong, and you were always walking back to dressing with the belt, kind of just barely like you survived a, a really tough match. And I just remember the German fans just just clapping and cheering like they got the great world, and it was a, it was a great feeling just yeah. before I won it. Well, you know, if the, I mean, I've don't think I've told ten people this. Or Conrad knows this, but we're at SummerSlam. In London, and I just knew Brett a little bit. You know, we always got along great, but I didn't know him that well, right? Right. And I'm this. I'm there managing uh, Henning. I think it's something to do with with Randy Savage, and he wrestles Davy Boy, right? And I'd never seen this, but I, I put it into my routine right away with guys I could trust. But Brett being one of them, Brett gives Davy Boy this superplex off the top rope, right? So I go back to the hotel and I knock on Bret Hart's door. I said, I said, if I known you could work like that, you son of a bitch, I'd be kissing your ass a long time ago. <laughs> I never, I mean, I didn't know you could work like that because I always saw you in tag matches. Do you remember I don't that? Know, you remember who was with you? You Macho Man was with you. No, Macho. macho man, yeah, I mean, I was. I go, I go. That son of a bitch can really work. Holy shit! I mean, you, you and Davy Boy, and not just because it was London. I don't give a shit if someone's going to say it was Davy Boy's home country. That match, nothing followed it the rest of the night. It was Nothing. the main event. Was it the main yeah, event? Yeah, that was the last one. Oh, I thought the Warrior and Savage was the that main event. That was actually event. I was going to say, the Warrior and Savage didn't, I, whatever no, we were, couldn't thank God we were around before that. Jesus Christ, but that was unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, so I that's a couple when times. I was in uh, Baltimore the day after when we got back, we had TVs or something like that, but... Uh, I remember you and Macho Man watched it on closed circuit in the hotel room. Yeah. And you came and found me in my room. And well, that's what it was. Yeah, okay. Shook my, it shook my hand, both of you, and said that, that was the greatest match you ever watched. And you, you both wanted, just wanted to come shake my hand for putting on such yeah, a Yeah, no, it was unreal. I, did, I guess it was. I was trying to think. Um, we were having a pretty good party at the Holiday Inn after SummerSlam, so... I probably was thought yeah. you had to get a draw from Arnie to get out of the place. <laughs> <laughs> As Brett can vouch for, I didn't miss anything in the nightlife over there. <laughs> can you imagine taking a crew to London for seven days now for a show? <laughs> yeah. We, we lost, we lost uh, Mike Hagstrand on that tour. And uh, what was the kid's, the other kid's name from Minneapolis? Um, John oh. Nord. <laughs> John and Mike Hagstrand just departed the company yeah, they, voluntarily. <laughs> It didn't come yeah, home. They, they quit completely and just stayed there for about three months. I know. The road warriors were no more. I saw, I saw Joe, and I tell Joe that's one of the greatest stories. I said, where's Mike? And he, he just got in the motorcycle and kept riding. <laughs> 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 what are you, you going to say about that? I mean, 
Oh God, I left there. My I, my credit card has bounced a lot of times over the years, but not as high as it bounced in the lobby that holiday in when I was leaving. I, had to, <laughs> I called Arnold School and I said, "Arnie, I need a draw, man. Now, major, <laughs> and could I have five hundred more to get home on?" <laughs> <laughs> Who's got a three thousand dollar bar tab in nineteen ninety one? Rick Flair. Days. Yeah, I know. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> We're talking with Brett the Hitman Hart here on Woo Nation, right here at Play It, and uh, I want to talk to you guys about WrestleMania eight from Indianapolis. At the time, blood was banned in the WWF, and two guys bled that night, and it was Bret Hart and Ric Flair. But I think only one of you got in trouble. What was the story there, Brett, as you remember it? He wrestled Roddy Piper there. That's right. Um, all, all I can say about that, I think, is that it was just a matter of uh, placement on the card, probably. You know, we just have, uh, I don't think anyone talked about it. I think it was something uh, we kept pretty close vest about it uh, in our match. And I think that Randy and Rick did the same. It was just uh, we were out there first. That's all, all that really is to that. Yeah, for me, I mean, I, I, he, I didn't get in trouble, but he just pulled me in the side and. Because Macho, you know, said, you get some juice from me. I said, yeah. I mean, what the hell? You know, it's Randy Savage. I don't care. Right. And, and nobody said don't. So it isn't like, but I didn't ask. And I'm, I'm walking down the hall, you know, thinking I had a pretty good match with Randy. And, you know, as you know, Brett, at that time, the tension with Randy and Liz was at all-time high. That was, that was one of the hardest weeks I've ever been through because I had to go to Tampa and practice. And I'm not used to doing that and practice all week long. And. You know, Randy had to have it written down and scripted, you know, which is okay. But he and Liz were bar- barely talking to that. As a matter of fact, that's the last time they performed together. And so I thought we had a pretty good match. It was far from great, but it was a pretty good match. And uh, I'm walking down the hall, and Vince <laughs> Patterson came and got me and said, Vince, I want to talk to you. And I thought he was going to say, good job, man. You know, sorry for all the tension. <laughs> he looked at me and said, every time, every time you get this close to greatness, you do something to screw it up. And I said, what did wow. I tell him? I said, who told you to get, who, who told you to cut yourself? And I said, I don't know. I just did it on my own. He said, well, that's what I'm talking about. You don't do that without letting me know. <laughs> Not thank you, nothing. Wow. <laughs> see, you. see you when I see you, Rick. TV tomorrow. Don't be late. <laughs> that was wow. it. <laughs> that was kind of the, well, I kind of knew that was, that was, that was what it was. So. You know, I did my best anyway to to make it look like an accident. And for I think for the most part, I think they they believe me. And uh, I think even they watch it back, they weren't sure what whether it happened or not, or what happened. Yeah, uh, I I don't know. I, I always uh, my I, my my memory of it was that maybe it was just bullshit at the time. Was that that Rick and Randy got fined for it, and me and uh, Roddy they never said a word to us about it. No, I, I didn't get fined. I just, he just, you know, he know he knows how to get to me by saying something that hurts my feelings. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I, the fine would be nothing to me, but he could, Vince has got a way of, you know, because he's such a, and as you know, Brett, he, he anything that Vince McMahon asks you to do, pretty much he'll do himself. And uh, he lives by that. And he, um, you know, he, to me, he's always been very fair, but he wants the heads up, you know, and I can remember he's not shy about telling him. And you know, I came out of the ring one night and he goes, 80s heels don't draw anymore. What are you doing? 
<laughs> you know, this is like, this is in 2003, <laughs> talking about me being an 80s heel. I don't know. What, what do you mean? <laughs> What's changed in time here? <laughs> so, you know, to kind of be a good guy and a bad guy, but he, he just go, he'll just go off on me for one, you know. And another time he said, where'd you learn that slam off the top rope? And I said, from Harley Race. He said, I'll oh, just get out of my office now. <laughs> and Brett calls it the Beal off the top rope. <laughs> Brett says, why do you take that Beal all the time? I said, I don't take a Beal. He said, yeah, you do off the top rope. Well, I, I, I called it a slam. Brett called it a Beal. I didn't know what he was talking about. Oh, man, we've had so much fun. Uh <laughs> We've got the greatest in here right now. We've got Brett the Hitman Hart on the line with us here on Woo Nation at Play.it. And I guess we should just go ahead and address the elephant in the room. In years past, Brett, you've been critical of some of Rick's matches, and I realize everybody's getting along these days, so I don't really want to stir it up, so to speak. But how do you think you guys' philosophies differ towards wrestling or what makes a good match, and how did you guys just see things differently through the years? And you, well, can you, know, say what, you can say whatever you want to say while still be text buddies. Is, is a little bit taken out of context, I think, a little bit. What I would say is that, uh, that we just have sort of just overlapping errors. You know, his error and my error just are very close. I mean, I was a guy that, like he said, when he was talking about Randy, you know, I could always go in the ring and call a match out there. I didn't need to even plan anything. Like zero, I go out and do an hour match with Rick. I don't think we've ever talking without ever talking to him before we went out, <clears throat> and I could do that with Rick um, at any given time. At the same time, I was also part of the Dynamite Kid, a different generation that was going a lot faster and doing a lot more uh, sort of intricate uh, new high spots that weren't sort of the same ones. That there was a period of time. You know, through the Dory Funk era and even the Harley era, a lot of guys just worked like them. A lot of them, people that just took the same bumps, the same style, that basically had the same match Harley had before he went out. And that was just a style that everyone picked up. It was a good, safe style, but it was, when I thought when, in, say, in the, you know, the 80s, early 80s, that um, in Calgary, that we started being a little more creative with, um, actual working where it was a little stiffer, a little more believable. Dynamite was a incredible uh, wrestler that in long before he ever got to WWE, the stuff he was doing here in Calgary was, uh, you know, ahead of its time. And, uh, so I learned from some good guys, a, a little more of a different style, which I think, you know, I, I didn't have the pleasure of working with just American wrestlers. Like, uh, say Rick worked with a lot of American guys, you know, the best workers in the States where I, you know, worked with guys in England and worked with Japanese guys and Puerto Ricans and a lot of different styles and stuff like that. And uh, I just think that when when my time came, after Rick's time was sort of s still wrestling, um, the, you know, the the way they they call it in there, they figure it out on the fly, and that's what makes the that's the genius of of those days. And I knew that from you know Harley, and I worked just. I actually started as that era was changing a little bit. And I think, um, I don't know, maybe I was a pioneer or something with uh, Dynamite and some of these guys that started taking wrestling in a, in a little bit of a different direction and picking up the speed. And, uh, you know, I always say that when the Bulldogs came to the WWE, for example, and uh, 
in 84, I think it was 85, you know, everybody started working harder and that's just the way the style changed. And I think the business got better after that. I think it just was the natural you know, path that the wrestling was going to take and wrestling kind of upped a little bit after, uh, in the eighties. And I'm sure Rick's got his own thoughts on it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I'm the first to admit when you wrestle an hour every night, which I did for 10 right. years, you know, you get into a routine, you know, and you hope that the guy you're working with is just a little bit over. Because sometimes if it's not, <laughs> it could be a long hour. Well, in fairness, too, a lot of that, when you were doing those hour matches, weren't on cable every week. So it's not like the same people are seeing the same match every week. No, but you do it in Greensboro. The, the, boys, are, the boys are seeing it. Right, and I, right. And I think that uh, I'm the first to admit. But, but you know, I didn't, I didn't have the blessing of a, a Ricky Steamboat or a Barry Windham every night. You know what I mean? And Harley, even Harley, Harley would let me lead the match. But I wrestled Harley's match. Dory would let me lead the match, you know, after a while, but I wrestled Dory's match. Terry Funk, I, you know, he'd let me lead after a while when he was comfortable, but I wrestled Terry's match. Terry, of course, became so innovative in his own style. I mean, you know, I, I bet you feel the same way, Brett. Terry Funk and Dick Murdoch were way ahead of their time, man, where they could be yeah. such, such serious techni technical guys. But Murdoch could make people laugh too, way before anybody else could. I mean, he'd take a bump over the top rope in St. Louis when nobody was doing anything, and walk into the turnbuckle, and knock himself out. I mean, <laughs> no, nobody did that. I think in Murdoch at the same time, Murdoch could get in the ring, and it, technically, there weren't too many guys as, as good as Dick Murdoch. Would you agree, Brett? Oh, he was uh, he was a real pro. He oh, was, uh, Jesus! He was one of those kind of guys that you'd love. You loved him in the ring, and you loved him, loved him out of the ring. He was a hilarious character outside the ring. Oh, no, tremendous! Very, to very be with. funny. He had a dry sense of humor. Uh, yeah, sarcastic. He was a very funny. You you could have um, followed him around all day and always had a laugh. With yeah, him. I did <laughs> for three years. Then I got rid of him when he came to the Carolinas, <laughs> the, the redneck. But he was uh, God. I tell you. Um, Murdoch, the, I mean, he, he had his style too, but he, everything he did from the stomp, you know, turning your face sideways and stomping you in the head to his punches, everything he did looked phenomenal. I mean, you can't pick apart any of his stuff. And, uh, but at the same time, you do a knee drop off the top rope that looks unbelievable. Exactly. It's and he's one of the few guys, you'd take, he's one of the few guys you'd take it from too, him and Ray. <laughs> yeah, you don't even have to move. You, know, no. you just know that he was always a safe. And safety was always uh, mm -hmm. Dick Murdoch's uh, priority. Never, I don't remember him ever being even stiff, but just no. a, a super player to work with every night. Yeah, no, and, and the thing, too, is that if you think about it, um, this is a guy that he was like Ray Stevens. He never went to the gym, never right. worked out. I mean, Harley never went to the gym, never worked out. I mean, these guys, you know, where Brett and I are in this, added, this era where Cosmetics are everything. I mean, you know, we're, we're you know, you know, I'm wrestling Kerry Von Eric one night, Steamboat the next. I mean, help me out, right? Right. Then along comes Luger, right? And, and all the Von Eric boys, you know, with the exception of David, were built, you know, like crazy. And then got Luger, and then here comes the Road Warriors. I mean, the cosmetic thing kind of turned it around for all of us. You know, I mean, you, you have to admit, but I mean, you, you, you and I, you more so than me, but you know, we were not exactly. The cosmetic poster boys 
than some of these guys no. were. They, that Kerry Von Erich just, you know, he, he was, um, you know, the most phenomenally genetically gifted guy I think I've ever seen. His genetics were phenomenal. I'm sure he had some help along the way, but <laughs> it didn't matter. <laughs> he looked like a million bucks. And then, then Luger and then Steamboat. And, I mean, a lot of the guys just had great physiques. You know, so if you could work, you know, we, we try to, I think Brett, I'm speaking for Brett and I, we, we counted on our work and our entertainment. I mean, on our work, our work rate, probably more than our look to, to be successful in the business. Wu Wings, a virtual restaurant concept from the man himself, the nature boy, Ric Flair. Enjoy the legendary flavors and world championship wings by ordering with your Uber Eats or Postmates app. Wu Wings is now open in Nashville, San Antonio, Jacksonville, Florida, as well as Huntsville and Tuscaloosa in Alabama, with many more locations coming soon. Try the only chicken wings worthy of carrying the name of the 16-time World Heavyweight Champion. Tell them, Nate. Wings! Legendary flavors! World Championship Wings! Woo! Woo Wings! Yeah! Woo-woo! Well, my 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 strongest suit was always my work rate. You know, not how good I worked, but you know, and when I first started, I was um, you know I was had a lot of trouble um, um, doing promos and trying to to trying to be a baby face or find my way as a baby face. And you know, I always people will you know talk about my 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 capabilities as a as a promo guy, but it was always hard to to do promos and not have any confidence. Like when you sort of knew you were just going to go out and do a job for somebody, especially, um, you know, when I first got to WWE, it was kind of, I was just a stepping stone from being like a regular jobber that, you know, just started doing jobs for everybody. And it was like, I was fighting my hardest not to get into that category. And then, you know, it was, um, it was like here, do promos. When I got turned babyface, I was under the impression they were going to give me this big push. And, uh, so I, was sort of uh, semi-cautious for my promos in the beginning. And then right away I found out I was like basically doing jobs for bad news and getting him ready for Hogan. And uh, doing so I kind of came out of the starting gate as a baby face. And, and uh, Bad News Brown or Bad News Allen, remember him? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I never met him, but I know, yeah. I know the name. They turned me baby face in the story, in an angle with him at the WrestleMania or whatever. But anyway, they just, you know, when they... In order to have good promos, you gotta you gotta feel some kind of confidence or sort of faith that they're gonna give you a little push. And I found that every time I got into that sort of situation where I could start speaking with a little more confidence, in my promos they automatically started beating me, and I kind of lost all that confidence and realized that I was just a stepping stone for somebody else to make money. And uh, you know, so you kind of went through that phase all the time. Until suddenly one day, you know, they sort of give you a, give you the real push, which was probably the, was the Intercontinental Belt, and you start getting a real push, and then you start going out there with confidence and talking for your promos, and they start going, "Oh, we finally starting to learn how to do promos." I think it's a little bit, uh, you know, you do the best you can with what you got. Well, and then you get a chance to help others, you know, come up to that next level. And you certainly did that after a break in 96 when you came back and you asked to work with Steve Austin, and that really helped him move up a level. What did you see in him to make you want to work with him on your comeback? You know, I when I um, first saw Steve, he was in uh, 
WCW, and uh, I, I liked his work. I liked his look, and I thought, this is the kind of guy that I could, uh, if I worked with him, I could make him look good. Like, I give him a really good match. I could just see it the way he worked, that I would I would mix well with him, our styles. And uh, I remember trying to talk Vince into bringing him in, and I, especially after I heard, I heard somewhere that he was in ECW, and I remember telling Vince that they should try to get him in if he's that available. And next thing you know, he was in the dressing room walking around, and it was like he, somebody had called him, and you know, like that he was back. He was in WWE, and uh, I was a problem with Steve. I, I worked with him in the beginning when he first got there, and I think, um, you know, I guess at that time I'd already um, say worked with Rick, and I had a lot of. I started to have a lot of uh, really good matches under my belt. Right, it was pretty pretty good out there with my, my psychology and stuff. And, uh, and I'm, I, I found that when I worked with Steve, um, in the beginning, anyway, he was a little bit erratic and a little bit, sometimes he just kind of lose control out there, you know, where he just started going so fast and like a windmill where he didn't know what to do next. And he was, he'd forget everything you planned out or talked about and just kind of just make a left turn and get lost kind of thing. And you'd have to kind of swing around and get him back on track and get him right back into the, and, and I found that, uh, he started to trust me over time to kind of, you know, teach him how to, how not to panic in the match. Cause sometimes he just kind of panic and just start going crazy, you know? And, uh, I think I helped, uh, kind of calm Steve down and <laughs> make him, uh, sort of just relax and play his character and focus on the match. And just, it was like, so a lot of times with Steve was just great acting. Yeah. You know, well, he said the stuff Brett, looked really, <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you think it might've been the five rip fuels he drinks a day. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Maybe. I, I own 10 gold gyms and I couldn't have kept Steve <laughs> in, in rip fuel. I, you know, I drink in the coffee like crazy. I didn't know rip fuel. I used to, when when my son Reed was amateur wrestling, right, and I saw these kids in Oklahoma be running around the mat. I mean, like they were like they were you know what Adder, on an Adderall or something, right? And so I figured out that I started getting his amino uh, drink, right, and putting rip fuel in it to compete <laughs> with the twelve year olds. <laughs> but I drink a rip fuel, man, and I I'm walking around until you know. 3 a.m. the next afternoon, and Steve, man, Steve can drink that rip fuel. Nobody can stand in the corner and kick somebody a hundred times in the stomach <laughs> and not be out of breath, except for Steve Austin. Jesus, I love it. Uh, but I can see where I, I, I love working with Steve too. But man, he, he doesn't get tired, and he, I mean, he trains. Steve trains very hard. Sure. That rip fuel, man, Jesus. So. Uh, I always I uh, loved the matches I had with Steve. I always thought he was uh I always thought he was a talented worker and uh, and especially uh as he became you know, got away from the stunning you know, Steve Austin thing and becoming more stone cold. Yeah. Even in that uh, transition he was still a lot of fun to work with and uh you know, I, I actually really enjoyed working with Steve right from the start and uh I think um the match we had at uh, WrestleMania thirteen was um Amazing. Still one of my favorite matches ever to watch back. If I ever sit back and watch a match back, I'd love to watch it with Steve. We have a lot of memories from that match. There's a lot of little funny little, not even funny, but just really intricate little moments for that match. It was was a brilliant match, I think. 
It was in March of 97 in Chicago. Uh-huh. It was an I quit. Ken Shamrock was the referee. Oh, okay. Austin bled out. Probably the best WrestleMania match at that time. Yeah. I mean, to me, it was it was the best WrestleMania what you, match. 1986? 1997. 97, I was going to say. 86. Yes, Brett was 14 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Brett, earlier this year, Bischoff did an interview where he said that you offered to bring the WWF belt to Nitro with you. But all we've ever heard from you is that you would drop the belt you know, on Raw the night after Survivor Series. Is Bischoff lying, or did you offer to bring the belt? No, that's not true. I mean, to be really honest, it just doesn't really make any sense. I lost the belt to Sean. I didn't have a belt. Uh, I, th- I think he's saying in the negotiations when you were first, you know, yeah. making contact with him about coming back. No, I don't. I, he, if it was brought up, it wasn't brought up by me. Right. You know, it was not anything I would have done ever. It was not something that I would have. Like I, I was hoping to leave the company on good terms and maybe even come back when I was done with WCW. I, I didn't even want to leave. If anything, I was playing, I was thinking more that I would would end up staying there. To be honest, I only made decisions to go with the uh, with Bischoff and those guys at the at the very end, at the last minute when I had nowhere else to cut the turn. When Vince kind of basically, you know, gave me no option but to sign off. I think he was trying to get me out by then. And, uh, so there's no, I didn't have a belt to do it with, and uh, it's just not something that I would have um, volunteered because it's not something I would have done. But, uh, you know, uh, Eric, um, he was having a pretty fuzzy memory with all that stuff anyway. Yeah, well, don't, hey, don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I tell the story. Well, I got a vivid memory of those the WCW guys. They were so fucked up. Oh, Brett. <laughs> they were, they were, <laughs> hey, 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 now here's the rib on me, right? So I know Brett's coming down, right? And I don't have a position, but I know Brett's coming. I, I'll tell you what, I was in Buffalo, New York with Bischoff, and I said, let me work with Brett Hart. He goes, uh, well, what do, what do you think? I said, me, I promise you, I'll, me and Brett Hart, I'll, you know, right. he said, you got a problem, beat you? I said, Eric, you're having, what's the guy? Well, there's the Mexican guy at Conan beat me last week, okay? <laughs> yeah, Brett Hart can beat me, no problem. <laughs> so we go to Dayton, Ohio, and it's me and Brett, right? And pay-per-view. The main event is Savage and Nash. And Brett and I went in that ring in Dayton, Ohio, man, and they, they're still standing there, man. And we, they kept saying, go home. And they, we, they, you know, when Brett put the sharpshooter on me, I had to figure four. He superplexed me off the top rope. I mean, there was nothing left. There was nothing left for them, right? And right. Brett and I go walk through the curtains and the Grandy Savage, God rest his soul, he was screaming at me. And I, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't say shit to Brett. God damn it, you went too long. What are you talking about? You left me in national. <laughs> right. I started laughing to myself. I went back to the Marriott and had another drink. <laughs> Jesus. You remember that, Brett? He was out of his yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do remember having a, a really good match for the Oh, God. It was like, and we didn't, we just did a little deal. I walked out. We were in St. Louis, of all places. And Brett's out there, and I, I walk up to him. You know, I, I could always make Brett laugh in the ring, and I go, so listen, kid, while you were in Calgary training, I said I was in, uh, what did I say, Singapore, no, in Singapore, wrestling Brody, and the natives were restless, and Brett started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I play back some of our YouTube stuff, man. It was worth that. We had to get paid for this stuff, Brett. I should look at him and say, well, you were in the Calgary training in the dungeon. I was in Singapore wrestling Brody, and the natives were restless, and 
Brett started laughing. <laughs> Not too much heat going on there, but uh, we had just had There's fun. one interview where we did, uh, I don't know, I got a brown T-shirt on, and, and you're and then I remember you ended up putting a bunch of elbows on your jacket and all that. I remember just, I, it, was a, it was a classic. I saw it on YouTube. My wife played it for me a few months ago. It made me laugh. It made me burst out laughing at how, uh, I know. it was a hilarious uh of both of us um, in our prime sort of uh, yeah. well, God, playing you know. along with our characters and stuff and having a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, told, I go to them and say that little thing they say, you know, like. Yeah. That's, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. <laughs> that's how it started. He goes, you know, the little rhyme you have, I mean, you know, you know something. <laughs> that was, we just had great chemistry. We, didn't, re we didn't rehearse shit. You know, we just, I said, Brett, let's go out there and have fun. It was St. Louis, it was sold out. Remember, it was a TWA dome. That's another town that the WCW had a good house in before they killed. God, there are 20,000 people, me and Brett, right? How hard was that in St. Louis? You know what I mean? Yeah. Two names synonymous was, of wrestling in a wrestling town. There was town. so much potential in those days. And, no. you know, even when, like you're talking about that promo, I remember when all that place was buzzing and just totally, totally lit up. When you we and came I could have worked like, for you a come year. back to the dressing room and they don't do anything with you, you know? They just yeah. pass on you yeah. again the next week and... Come no, but I mean, you, you and I could have had a year-long program. God forbid that we, that Flair get a program with Bret Hart for a year. We could have wrestled for a year. You know I mean, or, we could have wrestled my whole time I was there. Yeah, better than what they did. No, God forbid you get next to me in WCW, you're done. <laughs> that was that was the way of the place. As a fan, I was glad that they booked you guys together because when when Bret was first brought in, it was. Uh, he was there at the end of the Starcade 97 main event. They tried to do a little takeoff of the Montreal incident, and Nick Patrick was supposed to do a fast count, or at least that was the plan, and then you know, that didn't really go down exactly as they'd hoped. And Bischoff recently said he believes that Hogan put Nick Patrick up to doing a regular count. Brett, you were there ringside. What were you thinking when all this happened, and is that when you realized this is not going to be as fun as maybe you originally thought? Well, you know what? I'll be honest. I thought it was a pretty lousy finished in the first place. The whole thing was stupid and made little sense. Who was it seemed like a really Hogan and Sting. dumb idea Hogan to, and Sting? to bring oh, me in as a referee and out of nowhere. The whole thing was nonsensical. It didn't make any sense. But it was like, okay, well, Bischoff's supposed to be the genius and they're doing so great. You know, I got I to gotta just sort of listen to what they're telling me to do and do it the best I can. And it was a lousy idea, and you can blame the referee all you want, but it is... It was a lousy idea, and the finish didn't work because he counted way too fast because he forgot that he had to count slow. And, uh, you know, it, it just sort of went downhill from there, where it was like, that was probably the highlight of my career there. So, you know, <laughs> it, uh, you know, it really didn't. I never thought, and I think Rick will tell you the same thing, is at least when you went to WWF, you knew what you were doing. You know, you, you know, really you know got a clear stood. picture of what you're doing for the next while, and uh, you know how to how to put your input in and how to, to make things better. They give you enough of an idea what you do in the next couple of weeks to sort of and who you were working with and what you needed to try to do as far as your storyline went. You know, with WCW, I don't think they knew shit. They never knew zero, and they, they couldn't lace Vince McMahon's shoes up. They they were so bad, they didn't know anything about anything. There was a bunch of little morons telling people what to do guys like Kevin Sullivan were giving finishes to guys like me and I just scratch my head and go what am I taking orders from Kevin Sullivan for like who the hell is Kevin Sullivan to be given you know I'm, I think there's a big difference between Vince McMahon and you know Vince at least when he hired guys to be agents and guys that would tell you what to do they were all 
top pros that had, you know, years and years of experience. And uh, they were all good, like from Lanza to Chief Jay to, you know, Rene Goulet and uh, even Tony Gurria and those guys. They at least knew what a good match was. And they knew, you know, who had good heat. And they knew how uh, the sound of the crowd and what the, you know, they could just tell you stuff that, you know, guys in WCW, I thought were really inferior and, and the, the whole experience there, I think is they were on the verge of unbelievable greatness. And I can only imagine if they'd had some kind of, you know, leadership there, you know, someone that really didn't know what they were doing, that company would be every bit as big as uh, WWE is today. Yeah. Direction. Uh, you know, but in, and that would be so much better for the, the wrestlers in the business because then there would be some kind of leverage where you could go from one company to the other or you could always be a threat to, you know, just like in Japan with all Japan and New Japan. But all that benefits the wrestlers and, uh, you know, Eric Bischoff and all those uh, morons underneath him, they, they dropped the ball and uh, killed something that was going to be great for everybody. It should have been great for everybody. It's too bad because there's guys in the industry like Rick and myself that and uh, a lot of guys we've talked about in the last, uh, you know, last little while that made this business mean something back then and made people start getting interested in it and, uh, and start to follow. And it wasn't about the bodies. It was about the work and the ring and uh, the matches themselves. And if you look at, uh, you know, from the time that me and Rick were, I would say, in our prime in the 90s, um, they were going away from the bodies and the build, you know, the, the Hogan's and the, Billy Graham superstars. It was about the it was about the work rate and the workers of the business, and uh, that's why they remember me and Rick today better than they remember, um, I think, the, the bodybuilders from 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 that era. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I, without slapping each other on the back, it, if you could work, it's like you know, there's never going to be another Ricky Steamboat. I mean, just it's just the way there is, you know, and. Uh, I don't know. You never met Wahoo, but I mean, there's some guys that I, I mean that, that stand out in my mind, and guys that I got to work with, you know. And Brett, you're one of them too. I mean, and Sean. I mean, Triple H. Um, I I I, did, I don't know. Did you ever get to wrestle Angle? No, I never got to work with Kurt. God, Kurt Kurt but Angle. I did get to know Wahoo. Yeah, you you had to know Wahoo, Wahoo, right? Well. He was. I never great. worked with Wahoo. You never worked with him. I only worked with him as a partner. Yeah. We tagged up over there. Yeah. And, but he was, uh, he was a, a tough, uh, a tough guy and a, and a great, uh, character too. Oh yeah. Tremendous. I mean, he, he just, he's the one that got me, uh, you know, down in Charlotte and with George Scott and all that. So, I mean, I'll, I'll ever be, I just brought it up the other day. I, I don't know why in the hell he's not in the hall of fame, but it certainly is something that, oh. That should be. He's not even the WWE Hall of Fame. Wallace McDaniel's. That's hard to believe. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. he was such a. Um, he really was such a great, great uh, worker and a great character in the business that uh, you know, to know him was to love him. Yeah, and, and, uh, and, yeah. Your fans dad, and wrestlers always loved him. Yeah, your dad must have died for, to, to know him because they, he was such an old school man. He. <laughs> He was a <laughs> him and Ray Stevens, man, two of a, two of, two of a kind. When I was in Japan, he uh, when we first got there, like you always, you know, you always get uh, get in the ring first thing with these Japanese guys, and suddenly you find out that uh, you should have done more cardio. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, everybody. I remember every match, one after another, every American guy that went out came back with his tongue hanging down to his feet, going, "Holy shit, these guys don't—they never stop." Yeah. and it's like you, 
it takes a little while to get uh, get used to it and uh you know get your get your cardio up for you and do you know give the Japanese back what they deserve and uh <laughs> exactly. Wahoo, I remember the first two weeks or maybe three it was a six week tour we were there and he was he was getting more depressed and mad and on and getting more fit <laughs> you know the first few days there I remember he'd come back and see how uh, how stiff they were <laughs> and how hard the matches were but after about three weeks I remember just walking just crazy on all of them I mean, they were terrified of him he was just going in there and just destroying them and not selling anything he was yeah. chopping them to death yeah, he was. every one of them they didn't care who they were it was Anoki or <laughs> Sakaguchi or whoever it was they were all sorry they worked for them <laughs> yeah. and it was like they started it and uh, he finished it yeah well he had his hand was thicker than a two by four I mean and he had, that chop is man Jesus <laughs> welcome to my first ten years of my career God, he was he was well, beat Valentine half to death, Brett. I'm not lying. I don't, I don't. Did you ever see him work? Oh yeah, I saw him work. No, no, the two of them, Brett. I mean, Wahoo against Valentine. Oh no, I never did. The old no, man I never did. I saw. Oh, I saw. Uh, only never never met Johnny in person. Oh okay. Well, Johnny was there when I started. You know, he's in the plane crash with me. Um, but Wahoo used to beat John Valentine. You know, John. You know, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I'm I'm breaking into business and I'm traveling with Valentine and we're partners and all that. And he wouldn't, you know, if you if you went to throw him in the ropes, he, he wouldn't do it. He said, "Who can throw you in the ropes in real life?" And I go, "I don't know. I mean, that's I don't know. Well, why are you telling me this now? <laughs> we're partners." He said, "Well, don't let him throw you in the ropes." And I said, well, I got to throw him, throw him in. Nelson Royal is not going to understand me saying no to him, you know. So, <laughs> Valentine, you couldn't throw him. He wouldn't go rope to rope. <laughs> Did you know that? No, but it doesn't surprise me. No, he was like that, and he actually believed that. I mean, if, if you think about it, it, it makes sense, you know. Like, yeah. I said to everybody, now, how many, how, many, how many clotheslines can you duck? Right. In transition, to get to another move, right? It got 87,000 clotheslines in three hours of Raw that have been ducked. If you're watching the show, it's something to figure out that they're going to duck under the clothesline, okay? Um, and some of the guys that can really work do it all the time, it's, you know, to, to transition into another move now, right, Brett? I don't think I yeah. ever said Brett ducked the clothesline in my life, and I know Brett didn't say it to me. You know what I mean? That was That's the most overrated thing in the world. But Valentine... <laughs> Wahoo would beat him until he was, I mean, uh, unbelievable. And he would just fall over like a big tree. <laughs> so hence, I, and I, I popped on that side. I said, well, I'm just going to add a few steps to that and walk out in the middle of the ring and do the same thing. <laughs> That's awesome. And take less of the beating. <laughs> yeah, John was great, but, man, he was a different kind of guy, Brett. You wouldn't have liked him, man. He just... Wanted to grab a front face lock on you like Dory, but hold it on you for about 45 minutes till the crowd started to itch. Either they were going to leave or they were going to get mad. Brett, just recently the WWE has announced they're going to be releasing a disc on your brother Owen, and this has excited everybody online, but uh, maybe Martha has come out against it. Where do you stand on this? Do you think it's good that the WWE is finally doing a disc on Owen, or do you think that maybe they shouldn't have? Oh, I think they should, should have a long time ago. I think that... Uh... You know, Martha's got a very, you know, um, sour sort of viewpoint on, on the, the industry, and she's entitled to that. But I don't think it's fair to sort of, um, 
bury his memory, you know, as a wrestler or try to, you know, see that no one ever watches his matches again. Or, you know, I think all of that's really childish and not very, you know, it doesn't have much, um, you know, that's, that's not going to do anybody any good. She should embrace the fans and love them and the wrestlers that worked with him that love them. And, and the whole memory of what a, he was, he wasn't a businessman or, a, you know, or a, a car dealer. He was a professional wrestler, you know, and that's what he did for a living. And he made a living, a good living at that for a long time. And he grew up in the business and he, you know, was a sad, uh, a, you know, tragic uh, ending for, you know, my family and everybody in it. But, uh, it wasn't, um, you know, I don't think there's any reason to to belabor the point, really, and just have bad, the bad, old bad buzz about wrestling and, you know, that we never get the business. The business was very good to us for a long time, and what happened with Owen was just a horrible accident. And, uh, you know, Martha, you know, as sad as it is, the circumstances she, she's in, uh, I think um, she's made more of an effort to see that Owen's never completely erased her and that he's forgotten front by everybody and I see that as a, a real uh, like the logic of any of that we've got Brett the Hitman Hart with us you can check him out online at bretthart.com or on Twitter at Brett Hart you're listening to Woo Nation with Ric Flair and uh, you recently did a Twitter promotion where you ran the City Field account to promote an appearance there and during that someone asked your opinion of Hulk Hogan and you called him a dirt bag do you care to elaborate Hey, I'm going to be at City Field with you. Let me hear about this. <laughs> well, I, I I don't have anything good to say about Hulk Hogan. Um, you know, I don't care to you know make a big go on a big rant about the guy either. I don't. Uh, I just never found him very reliable with his his integrity. And uh, you know, I think I can say he's somebody that uh, you know made sure my career stopped and. Uh, you know, that, that I never got any more. Um, I think whatever happened to WCW was directly directly related to his uh, instruction, and uh, Bischoff was really just a, a mark that was uh, playing the front man for, for Hogan. And, you know, it took me a little while to sort of understand that and sort of hear from people that were behind the scenes and, you know, see how it was sort of designed for me to sit on the bench and not play a role in the show and I thought you know if you really look at you know the, the on the history side of it that I came in with uh, so much momentum and so much uh, it was like a godsend to get to end up in WCW it was like so many guys that could have worked with so many storylines including Hogan that would have been great great storylines that could have done so many different things and how uh, Hulk Hogan sat there and just crossed my name out with a pencil every day and until uh, I until my career was over and uh, and to sort of look back on it now and go like that's okay it's like no it's not okay you know he always pretended to be my friend he's said a lot of questionable things about me he's um, done a lot of questionable things himself and uh, I just I don't have a lot of good things to say about him and he's never been anyone that I thought was very honest and that's about all I have to say about him well Brett let me just conclude this by saying um, because I'm you know I'm just glad that you and I are friends. I love it when you text me. And I'll tell you something that made my whole weekend, because it's not a lie. I've had a couple of rough years out there. But when you and I and Piper and those guys were doing that little thing with Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania, I walked over to you with your wife and you said, you look happy. You look good. 
And that rocked my whole weekend. I told Wendy you said that. I said, Brett looked at me and said, you look happy and look good. I am. For the first time yeah. in a long time. And I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for the text where you told me I looked like I was getting in shape. Thanks for following my career. <laughs> I hope to see you down yeah. the road. I'm going to see, I'll see you at City Field. We'll, we'll have a good time. Yeah, you know, I just, I'll just say, you know, I have a lot, of, I've always had a lot of respect for, for you and people that know me well enough know that, uh, I've always, um, respected, uh, you know, everything you've done for me, you, you know, and everything from drop of the belt and how you treated me throughout my career anyway. You've always been, uh, a stand up guy for me. And I think there's a lot of misunderstandings that sort of strained our relationship a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, Brad, that's just, we, you know, that's just people talking, you know what I mean? To, talking to each other we sort of realized that there was a lot of smoke and no real fire and I never had any real issues and you never really issued to have any issues with me I think in in retrospect now I look back on all my matches with you with a lot of pride I had a lot of good fun and it was always fun working with you and it was never a, never a chore it wasn't like going to Japan or anything like that I loved my matches with you and uh I wish we could have worked more I wish they'd had more cameras in some well of you, you, came, you came with WCW bro you came with WCW, they, they put you on the bench yeah, next to me. Uh, yeah, well, they, they put me on the bench, but, you know, the, the, some of the matches that I had with you and, uh, you know, I remember we had that Ironman match. We had two shows that day. I think we worked Boston Garden, then we worked uh, Worcester, and then we did an Ironman match, and it was just such a great match. And, uh, you know, I, I remember different nights, like in Germany, I spoke about them. We, you know, just... Tore the house down, had these these phenomenal matches, and uh, you know I miss them. I, I, when I look back on great matches, I, I have plenty of them with you. But uh, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a thrill being on your show here, and uh, it's, again, I appreciate the, the time I get when I see you and uh, Nancy when I'm down there. Or Wendy, I mean. <laughs> the best there is. The best, the best there was. was the, the best there ever will be. Bret Hart, thank you, man. You're awesome. And I'm glad we're friends. It means the world to me. I don't know how we're going to top that. Woo! Oh, I think maybe I might have Batman on next week. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Woo! The five-star reviews are in, and it's confirmed. SaveWithConrad.com can save you thousands. Jimmy E. writes that we saved his family more than $1,000 a month. James S. says we saved his family more than $1,200 a month. But how much can you save? It's free to find out right now at SaveWithConrad.com. But if you've got a second mortgage, if you've got credit card debt, or even worse, if you're in a 30-year loan, it's not a matter of if we can save you money, but a matter of how much at SaveWithConrad.com. Hey, listen, what's your take? Are you bringing up Brett? What, what's your take on what his issues with Hunter? Well, I think one of the things is he had a stroke. Quieted down, but Jesus. I mean, yeah. even to his ranking in the game or something like that, I heard. I don't know. I can't remember. Right. Kind of, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I try to have some heart for, some heart for Brett Hart in, in this. He had the concussion issues and, and that major concussion and the stroke. And when you've gone that far with that, you can have some problems emotionally. You can have these swings up and down. So something little can really, you know, piss you yeah. off. And then Bret Hart, you know, what made Bret Hart great, I think something that makes you great too, is what made Bret Hart great was he believed that he was the excellence of execution and he did everything he could 
to do that. So he has a lot of pride. So you put those things together. I just, I mean, my own opinion is I hope that WWE, I hope that Triple H kind of understands the situation that Bret Hart's in and doesn't take it, you know, it doesn't take it literally all the time, you know, and I, and I know there's real issues and all that, but I think, I think that the, um, you know, I think the emotions that come out after a stroke, the emotions that come out after concussions can really affect someone's judgment. You know, there's sometimes when he's fine and he's level-headed and, he, and then there's other times you just go, uh-oh, he had a bad day. And oh, no, I get along great with Brett. It, it just, yeah. and it, it doesn't, uh, we've had him on the show and it was, it was a great podcast. Um, I just, uh, it just, it just seems like out of nowhere and, it, and it's been that way for a long time off and on. It comes yeah. and goes that he doesn't like Hunter, and I don't even think he ever worked with Hunter. So I yeah, don't know. I, Go ahead. I think he, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're fine. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I really do put it at the, I, I put it at some of a, a man with a lot of pride, but also I put it at, um and, and you know, there was a lot between, between his brother's death and everything that happened in Montreal. Yes. There's a lot that went on, and, um, I also think that just it's it's I think he has good days and bad days and some of those, you know, as far as like a cloud over his head and and, and, yeah. and it gets to him. And, yeah. you know, um, I, I, I wish him the best. And I don't think. Yeah, I just think there's some days when I go, wow, what 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 precipitated that? And it doesn't. Seem yeah, like that's that's all I'm asking. I, I, have, I, I didn't understand either. I see him. He seems fine. I do a lot of signings with him. I actually haven't in geez, three or four months now, but I, I usually do at least three or four signings with him a year, and then I see him at WrestleMania, and uh, he couldn't be nicer. So I I don't know. He's got a beautiful wife. His yeah. wife is fantastic. So I, I definitely heard well, that. I just need, he just needs a weekend at the Conradison. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's a cure for a lot of what ails anybody. But, um, yeah, I, I will say this. I don't think Brett – I think sometimes people think that Bret Hart is bitter about Montreal. I do think that that's in his rearview mirror from from everything I understand that, that like, you know, that's that that's well past well past it for him. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I mean, I wasn't there. That was just a, when I heard about it. I And then, of course, I've heard the entire story from Hunter a number of times and Sean. Who knows? I mean, that, that could have happened to anybody. Yeah, I think there was just a lot of factors that came together. to, yeah. to make. And, you know, and, the, and the, the two things that amazed me about it is that um, this man had the wherewithal to take the, you know, he was really unpopular that night and the, and the night after with wrestling fans and with wrestlers and to use that to tap into his own ability to be a great heel and it's, and to just change the wrestling war with him and Steve Austin. That's amazing. And then that WCW never took Bret Hart to Montreal. That's amazing to me too. Those two things are still just, wow. I mean, you know, I, I don't think we ever ran in Montreal. That's what I mean. You know, they never took yeah. Bret Hart yeah. to Canada or Montreal. And I was like, yeah. that's, you know, that would have been the first move to me. The first, well, move. the thing of it is you have to remember Bret wasn't there six months. Yeah. Yeah, That's I mean, true. he was he got hurt, but I, I mean, I worked with him, and he had a couple other matches, and then the thing with Goldberg happened, and he was gone. Yeah, that there, there's a lot to that. There's a lot to that. Yeah, you did really well with him. I mean, that was a yeah. Well, we had some good matches. I I volunteered to work with him, and uh, uh, but you know, like anything else with me at that time, if it got over, Bischoff was going to kill it. And then it's kind of funny I, because uh, you know, I think Nash and Hall recruited him. Uh, pretty hard, but once he got there, the, they, they they did. I, I don't think they all got along that well to begin with. I I can't remember. You probably know about that 
the that knee was kind my of that was my understanding you know conrad yeah i don't know what what i don't really didn't pay that much attention to it iron and i were just trying to figure out how to get through the day and then oakland and i were headed to the bar for martinis yeah that might have been the way <laughs> you, you know what i miss about brett when, when we used to work together i would sit down with brett before shows and we would talk about hockey for hours yeah for hours. What would you know about? What would you know about hockey with the Calgary Flames? What the let, 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 let me let me tell you. All due respect to you and also me, he's one of the most knowledgeable hockey people I've ever talked with. Of, of the Calgary Flames, the Flames. No, Flam? of hockey. Well, listen, listen who's talking. You think Bob Probert's the greatest player ever? I do. My, my, my God, I do. <laughs> Every. But I know Bobby Hall too. So I understand. I understand Makita. I know Phil is Bazzino. I met Bobby Orr, so I bet a few. Oh now, no, I, no. I, know, I know I know you're your old Mario. No one's questioning your knowledge, but Bret Hart, man, he 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 knows what's up with hockey, and I know it pleased him a great deal. That Junior A team that was named after him, the Calgary Hitmen. I'm not sure they still are, but that was a big deal to Brett. Well, that could. I mean, I'm, but anytime something like that happens, it's a big deal for you personally. But what place are the Flames in? The Flames. Flames. They're doing. They're doing really well. They're in first place in their division. Oh, they are. Well, then I apologize. I got. I have Canada kicking my ass out. <laughs> they, they, no, I just always get it. You know, me and Brett go back and forth. I got have fun. I had. I still think Brett Morton is more famous than Wayne Gretzky in Canada. Uh, I don't know if he's more famous. In his mind, he is. Well, <laughs> in his mind, it's not close. In in reality. <laughs> In reality, I think it's a close race. I, I think Brett, I mean, Brett is really a hero in Canada. I used to I know that. Hey, I know that. And God, if you don't know it, he'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. The best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. Woo! Yeah, but that's that's what made Brett great, man. There I know. Was such, there was such earnestness in the way he presented that. I know. And he's a hell of a worker, too. So you're not. You're not hearing me complain. I'm not knocking him with his routine. <laughs> no, you're you're knocking him for being a Flames fan. <laughs> no, but not. Not all. I'm looking forward to seeing the Russell Guy. That's now, one good thing about Russell Guy to get to see all the guys. I love that. Brett beat you for the WWE title in 1992 on a dark match at a TV taping in Canada. Why yeah. was it a dark match? And and it kind of came out of nowhere too, didn't it? I I don't think okay. many people were expecting a title change. Well, what happened was the night before, wrestling with Barkley in the front row, the ultimate warrior dropped me on my head on a vertical suplex. And I lost that. I got that inner ear thing. So when I, when I went to the floor, I rolled up and I went to get up and I fell down. I went to get up again and fell down. And I thought I was having like a stroke or something. And what it was that I had broken a little chip off in my ear canal in a way that that's like oil, the little chip was going back and forth. And so it it lasted for six months. I mean, I went to the Mayo Clinic, Duke, everywhere with my dad, plus my dad being a physician, and um, that it just didn't heal. So I, I, I called Vince and he said, get to Calgary. And the reason the match was so bad, it got, because I, I had no, no equilibrium. The match sucked because I, I but not, I've never had a chance to tell the story, I guess, publicly, but I had no equilibrium because I went home for six months after that. And it was a short match, too, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I couldn't. In other words, if Brett slammed me, right, 
or I gave me a backdrop, right? I had to lay there for a minute. I couldn't just get up and feed. Does that make sense? Yeah, you had to collect yourself. Kind of had I to decla- collect, I collect my, Yeah, I, well, not collect myself, but I couldn't get up. I'd fall Your balance. Over. Your balance had to be yeah. reestablished. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I, I had that for six months. And then one wow. day I woke up and it was gone. I banged my head against the wall five times because I was going to get a Lloyd's of London check, tax-free, 750 grand. And I called my dad. I said, Dad, it's gone. So I said, I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm going to get my check. He said, that's karma. Don't do it. And I, and I didn't get it. I went back to work. <laughs> 750 well, grand, tax-free. Well, your wives would have got it anyway. Oh, wow. That's right. You at know, least you half. Did. At least half. Your dad was right on the money. He knew He knew what was ahead. Now, um, you, you, you know what? You said something earlier that kind of struck a chord. I think you're right. I don't think you ever beat Brett. I know I didn't beat Who did I beat? <laughs> well, you, you beat a few. And, but oh, I, but, who did I beat? Well, you beat, you beat Sting a couple times. With the help of five horsemen. <laughs> well, they don't say how, Nate. They I, say I, how I, many. I, I, I never beat Dusty. Oh, yeah, you did. Now he tripped over Gene Kaniski. <laughs> or that was Harley who that tripped over Harley Gene Kaniski. That was Harley who tripped over Gene, yeah. yeah. No, he tripped over Pat O'Connor, uh, uh, not Pat O'Connor, uh, Luthez. No, it Dusty was Gene Kaniski. No, Luthez for, for me and the- Dusty. Me and Dusty. Oh, and that's right. That's right. That's yeah, right. He, he tripped over Luthez. So. I never well, got I never got a clean win. It was always with an assist. <laughs> well, well, but I don't think you ever beat Brett literally, which begs the question: How often did you work with Brett? Did you guys ever do like a loop in in WWE? I know you worked with him a hey, few here, times in WCW. Here's the deal. Oh, the loop in WWE. Oh yeah, Brett and I did a couple hours. Yeah, he. Yeah, I wrestle. I love wrestling, Brett. He was. It was a night off. No, here's the story. So Brett comes, and I see an opportunity. So I go to Eric. I said, Eric, I want to put Bret Hart over. He said, really? He said, you think I'll be good? I said, well, I don't know. You tell me. Well, yeah, that was Bret's first match ever in WCW. I know, in in Dayton, Ohio. We stole it. And you know what? We walked out of the building and Randy Savage was screaming, God damn it, you went too long, man. What the hell's wrong with you? I said, fuck you, Randy. We just fucking stole the show. Go out and follow that. (laughs) That was... That's the way the business was back then, man. I'm, I'm not, when I got a guy like Bret Hart that can work and, and is taking care of me and give me superplexes and all that, well, I'm not going to listen to anything Randy Savage says to me. Well, do you <laughs> think Bret made a mistake going to people, WWE? People don't, people don't like it when you're better than they are. That's just all there is to it. Well, right. When you're the best ever, nobody likes you. I know yeah, that. Yeah. It just, it, but, I mean, I, that's, that, that was the deal. It was like, you know, it finally came time for me to beat Randy in Dayton, same place, Dayton, Ohio. Rick Randy, his dad's there. It's Father's Day, and the next, and I walked back in, and uh, Bishop said, uh, "I was on the booking committee." Said, uh, you're, "You're you're not here anymore. You're done." Say it again. Because they, I held Randy to his word. I said, "I'm going to do this. Put you over here. Put you over there. When we and we get to Dayton, Ohio." You're gonna put me over, and he this wouldn't is, do it. No, he did put me over, but he, they fired me the next day. They fired me that night. I really? walked in, and Eric instead of Eric going, "Hey, great match," he said, "You're fired from the booking committee." Wow, I never heard that story. Well, I got a lot of them. That's why we're on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
What else do you want to know? What else do you want to know? Well, well, uh, did Brett make a mistake going to WCW? Even though he got more money. Do you because- real, do, you, do you realize that in Daytona, Florida, I had already beaten Leon by myself for the world championship, right? In Dayton and Daytona, Florida, they booked me and Arn against Leon. He beat us both. In a handicap match? Handicap match. Wow. Yeah. He beat us both after I'd already beat him in a single match. That's how, that's how little, why do you, why do you think Arn and I cracked and drank every night? That's what Bischoff did to me and Arn. Well, I think drinking every night could be its own reward. No, but do you not, you don't remember that match? I, I do, but I mean, it kind of all runs together after a while. It's, it's so long ago. Vader beat me and Arn. Well, if it made you drink, I can't complain because I was probably drinking with you. No, but I meant, how, how ridiculous is that? We did it. We did. We just did. It. We were just cannon fodder. Woo! 